Welcome to the We Stand podcast. Yes, where we stand with all survivors of abuse. Currently we're sitting, but <laughs> we do really do stand. <laughs> I knew she was going to make a joke. <laughs> no. <laughs> My name is Kate Brennan Harding. And I'm Orla Vaughan. And this is episode three of the We Stand podcast. She's episode three, isn't it? it? it yeah, well, we had a pilot. Yeah, so but it is episode three episode of the series. Three, yeah. yeah, Grant. So time is flying, Kate. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. And um, time is flying and each step of this podcast is a new um, piece of my memory given back to me, which has been amazing. Mm. Yeah. Um, it, it is. It's really like, because I didn't think it would be as much of a kind of investigation or jigsaw puzzle as it has been, mm. but it, it has been fascinating and it's, for me, feels very live because each week we when we record an episode we say okay well now we know where we're going next week and then we meet a week later and go hold on a minute now this has happened and yeah. that has happened and this hasn't happened and that won't yeah. be happening so it's really um we are really jiggling live on the go and the thing is that we originally intended to have this series we had to have every episode recorded before we published and we realized we'd probably still be doing this in a year's time trying to get everything together so we just went with it and published once we got episode one down. Yeah. Now this episode is going to be a bit shorter. Um, we're we've a few nice bits to talk through. Um, I got a letter from a friend of mine, which we'll have a chat about in a minute. Um, and uh, then following on, like we're going to take a two week break. Well, we're not going to be taking a break, but it'll be two weeks before we release the next one because we are trying to get an interview with somebody. Um, that is quite important for the next episode. And with the pandemic, everything has kind of been a bit delayed. Um, and I suppose, Kate, that brings me on nicely just to touch base with you, which I wanted to do in relation to um, you and your mum having the chat. And it, I suppose it's different from having the chat, you and I recording it, editing it, mm. to actually putting it out there for people to hear. So yeah. how have you been since? Again, like, I love that we get to check in and ask how how it has been, but like, it's been a really cathartic experience, the, the chat with my mum. And I think I'm only the right amount of time outside of having the chats and, and editing it, the two of us editing, to see that it's sort of given me um, a bit more empowerment. Because I've heard in... So if you haven't listened, if you're joining in on the series, you're kind of going to be missing. Go back and listen to the last episode, which features my mum talking about um, finding out that I had been sexually abused by my grandfather. And throughout the conversation, my mum is sort of filling in the gaps for me. Um, or my memories were, you know, not necessarily completely accurate because I was a kid. And one of the things she says is that it was confirmed, that my assessment confirmed that they can confirm sexual abuse had happened. And... I remember sitting there listening to with my mom being a bit okay this is new but that has sat with me for the last number of weeks and it's been a really um really empowering thing I like it's it's mad it's not looking for validation but it's looking for I was a kid and I thought I had a story that I had not talked about it and that I hadn't done enough and that it was my fault that he got away with it and it was my fault because I'd gone mute and it was just not coming out of my mouth and obviously I did say things and I obviously did speak. Now, I obviously was very traumatized by it because I cannot remember that. But I did. Um, and I think the disappointment that comes from it, too, is understanding that my dad was tried. They tried to contact my dad for a year and he didn't contact them back. 
um, that there was that level of, you know, he just didn't care. He just wanted to avoid it, you know, and um, to protect his own father instead of protecting me. So there's a sadness there too. But the main thing is is the understanding that, yep, yeah, they, they could, could, could confirm that it happened. I think there's a few points in there for me. And I think it's from the start of when you and I started talking about doing this. You Your narrative has always been, I, I didn't do enough. I didn't mm-hmm. speak out for Kate and you were always really held yourself accountable in a negative way for mm-hmm. that and it was wonderful to see that um that no that wasn't uh, the truth and the second thing I suppose was your dad and and learning from your mum that 12 months of silence when they were trying to contact him yeah and the third thing I suppose is just picking up from what you said there that he was protecting his father I think the more I'm learning about your dad Kate he was protecting himself yeah to yeah um, to you know it's me myself and I kind of there with that and and I just think that knowing you and knowing how you adored your dad and that you were you know you've referred to yourself several times throughout the episodes as um the daddy's little girl Mm. that there's so many healing elements that is happening to this Mm. that is happening in this podcast for you and I hope for people that will be listening to it but there's so many other elements of heartbreak that I find that mm. it's just, you know, and I, I would hope that you would focus on the positives that you're getting out of this. I definitely am focusing on the positives. That's not to say, like, you know, a couple of weeks ago, there was, I think the day after we chatted to my mum, it was a real kind of yet another nail in the coffin of of my relationship with my dad and how... You know, I've talked about, I think, in previous episodes, how my trust issues can come from that. Because if I my first attachment was to somebody who completely let down all of my trust, it just has meant that it's sort of left me a little bit vulnerable in the world sometimes, you know. But I also think it's really healthy because it helped me to grieve. And I've said, I said that in the first episode, it's this grieving process that I didn't give myself permission to do. And that's been amazing. And another thing, you know, talking to my mum and publishing it and my mum being proud of it to be published even though she's laying her vulnerabilities on the line and laying her mistakes on the line and also then showing where she did fight like it was it's an empowering thing for me to sit with my mum as two adult women with a story to tell that is one it belongs to her and one belongs to me and to meet each other in that in in ourselves not with expectation, well, you're my mom and you have to react this way and not with her expectation of you're my daughter and you're angry with me, you know? And we celebrated, uh, it was, I had a significant birthday recently and my mom came to stay and we just, there's an ease around our relationship, much more so than there ha- ever has been. Um, and I just hope that people, I know that we've been getting lots of messages from people um, to the We Stand podcast Instagram. It's, um, you do send a message if you want to, it's We Stand podcast uh, on Instagram but um, we're getting messages like your beautiful mum you're so brave your honesty and then your mum's honesty and it's like that's what's important and I hope that if there's mothers listening to it or um, fathers listening to it that they realise that you know it's okay to have made some mistakes as long as you're there now if that makes sense 100% Um, that reminds me I got a message from someone today saying that they listened to the podcast and it has made them feel less uh, crazy for being an overprotective parent. 
Um, and I wrote back to them. I said, isn't it mad that we have to validate protecting, protecting children? Do you know? Yeah. Like, that's what it kind of occurs as. It's not that you're over the top, but it's like, no, just be concerned and, and, and mindful. You yeah, know? totally. Yeah. Um, so that's great to hear. Um, and on that note, maybe we'll read out a couple of messages that we have. Yeah. Written. Now, before we go on, though, we will read out, as always, if you are listening to this, and you could be listening to the episodes and be fine, and that there could be something that we talk about that hits you in a way that you weren't expecting. If you need to talk to anybody, Carrie, um, they are C-A-R-I, um, they are for, they're for children and adults, but adult services, they're a national counselling service and they have a helpline, 1-890-9245-67. And also the Rape Crisis Centre has a 24-7 uh, phone number, 1-800-77-8888. I would urge anyone to get in touch, even if it's just to talk to someone anonymously, if you're finding any of this is impacting you in a really negative or sad way. Hi Orla, listened to the podcast yesterday. Kate's experience is a hard story to hear. Such cruelty and abuse happening at everyday family get-togethers. Kate's voice and story is haunting. What a brave, heroic warrior she is. I am, um, for the record, I'm trying to not um, muffle a little giggle because Orla's had to redo that message a number of times. <laughs> and we've had a little <laughs> meltdown. Say hero- 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 heroic. heroic. Thank you. <laughs> uh, this one, I just want to congratulate you both on your work on this powerful podcast. Uh, thank you, Kate, for standing proud and tall and sharing your story. I'm sure that will help many people. When powerful women work together, they can achieve anything. Love and light to you both. That's lovely. Um, and we also have like uh, just comments like your mom, another beautiful episode, ladies, uh, your bravery, your lovely mom. And then I have a, um, another one, uh, which is I'm trying to find it here now or desperately trying to find it. Um, I'm in the wrong account. Hold on a second there. Uh, so this one I got this morning. I swore I'd never listen to a podcast and listen to the three of yours last Saturday night. Well done. They were amazing. That's incredible. I have one just in relation to the last one. It was so interesting to hear the interaction between Kate and her ma. The coming together of the two of them was really remarkable. Tell Kate, once again, she is amazing. That's lovely. Well, what I would like to say is we're receiving loads of messages. We're also receiving emails. If you'd like to get in touch, we.standpodcast at gmail.com. We don't want to really be reading everything out, but it's just so nice and amazing to get these because we, we are standing out alone in podcast land um do you know and while we know we're not alone it's gorgeous to get those messages to just remind us that we aren't so thank you very much so now orla diddle 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 diddle. you know i'm leaving in the diddle 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 diddle. no don't i'm so doing that just pain in my ass man um so Kate uh, got a letter last week. It happened to arrive on her 40th birthday. Mm-hmm. She looks about 21, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> um, and it's a letter from Jenny, which Kate mentioned that um, she had gotten in the last podcast. And just for those of you, Jenny is Kate's friend who she was the first po- person that Kate disclosed to back in primary school. Mm. And... I suppose it was the catalyst for Kate coming to tell her to tell her mum coming out to tell her mum what was going on. So Kate, if yeah, well Jenny and me were inseparable, and from the I went to I went to primary school. Um, I was kind of sent to primary school a bit too young, 
so I went in and the pictures of me like I was tripping over this little kilt but um, she was the first person there big smiles and then my parents took me out of primary school because they realised it sent me too young and sent me back in and she remembered me and came over and we were just the best best friends um, and we had so much fun together and you know her family were real health and fitness freaks and you'll know why I'm telling you that in a minute when I read the letter so it was an absolute gift I got back in touch with her and I um I said to her would she mind if she could would she write me a letter or would she write something down because I'd never actually spoken to her properly about it when as we became adults and then you know life got in the way and I haven't seen her in a very long time and the reason I didn't speak to her was I was just I was shy I was scared I was embarrassed you know how do you bring those conversations up that are adult because you're pulling them out of your own childhood you know but uh, this is something else and I'm, I feel really privileged to have gotten this. So I will read it out. Uh, Dear Kate, how are you? I see from Instagram that you're very much in love and seem to be very happy. I must confess I have followed you with interest over the past couple of years and I'm so impressed with how you've grown in confidence and from a distance seem to have found your peace to be and you, uh, your person to be with. I'm delighted for you. So as promised, I'll try and recollect where I was when you told me the first time about the abuse you suffered at the hands of your paternal grandfather. It's probably about 30 years ago now, so true memory is not that clear, but I'll write what I recall. To be honest, it's not a lot, but here goes. So what do I remember? Well, when I think back on it, I have images of us sitting beside each other on the bus near the back. I don't know if this was where you have first mentioned it, but it's what my mind constantly comes back to when I think about it. We must have been on a school trip, probably out to a farm or power squirt waterfall, and as usual, you and I sat beside each other. I don't think you told me about it all in one go. I think it was something that you divulged more as you became more confident or trusted me more. I remember you not liking your grandfather. You would tell me you didn't like visiting him. That when you went over to his house, your grandmother would go out of the house. I can't remember what for, but you were sure she knew what was happening. An attic? Was there an attic room where the abuse used to take place? I'm so sorry, as I'm sure this is not easy to read. As I write, I'm sure this memory is still very vivid for you. But I recall you saying the abuse would happen upstairs. I can't remember the exact details of what happened to you. I recall thinking it wasn't right, that that is not how my grandfather or father ever treated me. I could tell you were distressed by it, by how to raise this with your dad, whom you idolised. You were so close with your dad back then and would often have a more fractured relationship with your mum. I think I may have said to tell your dad, but that was not something you wanted to do. You were scared he wouldn't believe you, that he would be hurt, not like you or think ill of you. Looking back on it, it was a lot for a little girl to think about. I'm not sure I told my mum about it. If I remember right, your mum called my mum to ask if it was true, that you had told me about this. I remember mum asking me about this at the time, about what you had told me, and then she told your mum. And I think it was then you were believed and I was asked to go to the Garda station in Cornelscourt to make a statement. I have a strong memory of that for some reason. The interview room, the guard writing down everything I said with my mum sitting to my left, and then he read it back to me and asked me to sign it. Probably the first time I had ever signed something in my life. It's funny my recollection of the events seemed so simple, so black and white, but in truth I don't think I had the mental maturity to truly understand what had happened to you. I'm scared to write too much about what you said happened to you, as it's not a clear memory. I don't fully trust my brain and I know for you it would be different. The memory will be more real, more vivid. I'm sure you can still remember certain smells of that time and the last thing I want to do is bring you back there. Like I said, I could have mixed up the location of where you told me. It could have also been upstairs in my bedroom, but I feel it was something you told me over a series of discussions. 
Equally, I'm not sure your mum was annoyed when she called my mum or just concerned. I suspect the latter, that she had heard something and was scared to think it could happen to her, Kate. I remember my mum telling me I wouldn't get into trouble, I just needed to tell the truth, and so I did. Looking back now, I truly appreciate how brave you were to tell your story, and I'm honoured that you trusted me enough to tell me. You've done so amazingly with your life and never let what happened to you define you. You were always your own person, KPH, and still are to this day. My dad still asks after you. Often when we were out walking, he'll mention the time we did the walk uh, up to Jouse. You were such a large part of my childhood. The adventures we used to have, I hope you don't mind me saying this, but you may not have liked the walks as much as I did, and I think at times you were happy to just sit down and rest. Remember Dad telling you there was a McDonald's at the top of Jouse Mountain, and your disappointment when you realised he was lying? Or jumping over the stepping stones in Trooperstown and our friend falling in and we couldn't stop laughing and she didn't talk to us for a week. Please tell your mum I said hi. I can still remember the smell of her perfume and how glamorous she always looked and your cool green car. You were a dear friend and I'm incredibly grateful for your friendships and the memories. I hope this helped in some way. Feel free to text or write if there's more I can help with. I'm sorry that the memory is not as good as you would have hoped and apologies for the writing of years of scribbling lectures and notes has meant I write with a scribble. We are hoping to be home at Christmas and if you were home, it would be great to meet up. Yeah. Oh my God, Kate. Like, I had to stop myself from crying. Listen, to read that. Did you? Yeah. I wonder am I just in the surviving everything no, mode? or No, I don't you know? know, but my legs are gone numb. Jesus Christ, I've read the letter like, mm. and you've read it to me over the phone. Mm. Um, it was wow. my third, fourth time reading it. Yeah. Yeah. What a letter. Um, and also, like, Kate had decided not to read the letter itself, but to type it out. Um, so we were doing that. We were. I was doing something else, and Kate was here about a half an hour, an hour ago typing it out. And just the size from you. Mm. And the, oh, wow. And I'd like to talk to you a bit about that. What yeah. parts jumped out at you? Well, I guess, you know, it's the thing of hearing your own words said back to you and and being transported back to, I remember being on a bus. I can't, like Jenny, I can't remember where we were going, but I have a feeling it was Paris Court as well. And we were sitting at the back of the bus and I definitely remember telling her more things and feeling really down on myself that time. I know that wasn't the first time I told her, um, but like... Yeah, I just, I think what she might be remembering is picking up on I really was feeling worried at this point and sad about everything. Um, So that kind of jumped out at me. And what jumped out at me is when she said an attic, question mark, was there an attic room where the abuse used to take place? Like, I suppose it's like me just telling my truth for over 30 years. She carried it. And as she says herself, she didn't really have the mental maturity to understand what we were talking about. I shouldn't have had the mental maturity to understand what I was talking about. I didn't have the mental maturity, but I had something that I had to be mature about and understand. And it's amazing how, as children, you do keep secrets. And you you are easily um, manipulated into keeping secrets. And Jenny was my friend, and she kept that secret for me, you know. And that's the power a paedophile has. That's the power an abuser has. That was, that, I suppose I'm just weaving thoughts out loud now because I haven't done that. Like the attic bit, the bit when I say about my grandmother leaving the house. I don't remember if I told, said that my grandmother left the house, but I think 
there was parts of me I can't put words on there are parts of the story when I was younger that I used to try and get someone to understand you know that my grandmother knew or or make it obvious that I had to be on my own in the house for him to abuse me or on my own that kind of comes across there and then like there's one really strong one where she says you know that she doesn't really want to she's scared of telling me more of what I said to her and I'm going to be talking with her in a few days time and I hope I will have the I don't want to put her in a position to talk about it if she doesn't want to either do you know but um she does mention smell she says the word smell and like the most vivid part of my memory the bit that triggers me the most is smell um there could be the same smell could happen i could be walking and i could get this particular smell or an essence of it and i am gone i am back in the room i'm being abused i'm frozen um it very rarely happens but it does happen and i just find it fascinating and more curious as to the fact that she said that because that is the biggest deal for me or has been the biggest deal a lot for me and then you know when she talks about her telling she says I'm not sure I told my mum about it if I remember right your mum called my mum so neither of our mums can remember what happened because <laughs> I spoke to Jenny's mum and she's like oh I don't remember but definitely Jenny I, Jenny said to me if you don't tell your mum I'm telling mine and I in my world I don't know I think the phone rings and in her world she thinks the phone rings and both of us are telling the truth do you know what I mean our mums talked to each other that was the thing so that's pretty amazing and then obviously the the fun bits that she talks about and the you know recalling the many times we walked up Jess Mountain only to be disappointed that there was no McDonald's how very dare they not build a McDonald's up there I mean you're talking like I was a small dumpy child and they were three girls who were running cross country for Ireland okay the difference between us was massive um but I still loved it yeah you know yeah yeah, that's it's. Um... What are your thoughts on it? Like, it's amazing. How amazing is this process? To I have my mum in this. I have reached out. My best friend from primary school is in this. You know, it's it is. We didn't realize, as we've said already, we didn't realize we're putting together bits of what is a blurry jigsaw. Yeah, and the blurs are not blurry anymore. It's for me mind blowing because I'm at I'm. I'm very fortunate to be at the heart of it and like mm. that conversation with your mum and your mum to be sitting in that space with the two of you and I've said it before it was an incredible privilege um, to be sitting with you here now when you typed out the Jenny letter and you paused and you were talking about mm. different parts of it and different things for the because you had read it a few times but when typing it out it made it, it made it a different experience. It made it much more real. It was like I was suddenly in Jenny's hand writing it, you know? Yeah, and then for you to read it there for me, you know, mm. you read it for me when you got it over the phone and it didn't have the impact of what I've just listened to there. Like, mm. literally, I was like, you can't start crying or because you'll distract her. And I mean, God Almighty, what are you getting upset about? What are the bits that you're getting upset about? Because I presume that they're the bits that I'm too close to right now. No, I, I think what I'm getting upset about is like, it's this little girl, Jenny, who I don't know. Mm. And I've become fond of the little girl, Kate. Mm. 
And now I've heard stories from Kate about little Jenny and next thing here she is and she's so honest Mm. and she doesn't want to hurt you and she doesn't want to bring you back Mm. into that space by mentioning too much and she's giving you snippets of what stand out for her. Yeah. And yeah, it's just incredible. It was such a moving, beautiful letter. Mm. But even more so read by you to what felt like you were reading it to me. Yeah. Um, no, it was, yeah, very moving, Kate. Very, very moving. Yeah. And again, brings in exactly what we're trying to do with the podcast and then it becomes clearer and clearer that it's for everybody to speak out and to tell their truth. But it also, Kate, what struck me too is mm. we, you and I have discussed this not on the podcast, mm. but privately together about how difficult it is for people to speak out and that like for you this is a process that is difficult but you you are able to do it mm. and like you said in, in one of the podcasts um you know write to yourself write yeah. a letter to yourself yeah by god i saw the power of that when you were typing that out yeah it was like it trans i was watching you transform mm. as as you were typing it and taking a pause and every now and again I was getting impatient going Kate you concentrate hurry up <laughs> you were <laughs> it's like and then she, you started talking to me about different bits and I was like oh my god Orla just again keep your powder dry this is a real process now mm. this is really happening yeah it is amazing and like I get as well that in telling my story and in having my mom speak and hopefully having another member of my family speak which is why we're taking a two week break and having my friend from school speak by sending me a letter, like that's a very privileged position. Absolutely. And it's a privileged position for so many different reasons. Mainly because people are scared to talk about it. And, you know, I, I, there's nothing I can, I can't change the people around me. I can only tell my story. But if you are somebody who feels that you don't have that outlet, um, you do. There is. There are people who will listen. I repeat the numbers again. Carrie is one eight ninety ninety two forty five sixty seven, and the Rape Crisis Centre is one eight hundred double seven double eight double eight. And if you are a parent who you know is worried about a child, or if you are an adult that's worried about a child, you can go onto Tusta's website and look up child protection, and you'll get the number for your locality. Um, or you can call the Gardaí, um, because they are being trained. Almost every day their training is coming through for the guards at the moment in how to handle cases. So I would trust what the training is doing and contact them. Um, So that about wraps us up for this week, guys. As we said, we are taking a couple of weeks, um, but it will be worth it. Mm -hmm. And I'd just like to say that the sound today was brought to you from the motorway outside. And Shamey, the snoring kitten. Yes, can you hear him? I can. I love it. Cats in the last one and the snoring kitten. Um, also, we've a GoFundit. Oh, yes. Yep, we're nearly at Target. Um, we'd love to just get it over. It's GoFundMe page forward slash we stand podcast. And again, the email is we.standpodcast at gmail.com. And we do stand. And thank you very much for listening. Thank you, guys. Bye.